0: you've turned into Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen's podcast. Every day, the California Cattlemen's Association is sorting through the issues impacting California's ranching families and producers. To communicate those issues, discuss solutions, and keep ranchers current on the hot topics CCA Leadership has developed this podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sorting Pin, the California Cattlemen podcast. We're up in Reno at our... 105th annual convention. We just wrapped up our second general session. We're on day two of convention and it was all about cattle markets. Joining me now, we have Dr. Daryl Peel from Oklahoma State University. Welcome, Daryl.
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here.
0: Thanks for joining us and making the time. I know you just talked for about two hours, so we're (laughs) going to make you talk a little bit more. We'd like to start out with just having you give a little background, a little bio about yourself just for Our members that couldn't make it up, and our listeners, who you are and why you joined us in Reno.
1: Yeah, you bet. You know, I'm uh, I'm Daryl Peel. I'm a professor of agribusiness and the extension livestock marketing specialist at Oklahoma State University. So I've been on the faculty there for. 32 years. Uh, I say that uh, skeptically because it's hard to believe almost, but so I've been there a long time. Uh, I do some teaching and all that, but I'm primarily a state extension specialist. So I travel uh, in the state, around the country, and even internationally doing stuff related to the economics of the cattle industry and cattle markets.
0: I know that we're biased to California, but I have been to Stillwater and I don't think it's a bad place to be.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, it's a different place, but it's not a bad place to be.
0: So we just wrapped up our second general session, you and Rob Johnson and then Seth Scribner, the CCA price discovery subcommittee chair, joined you for a panel. Let's run through a little bit about what you presented on and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the questions you got.
1: Yeah, you know, the last couple of years, we've been in so much turmoil in this industry, and I think that's the root of a lot of the discussions that have emerged over the last couple of years. Obviously, it's been a very challenging time, frustrating, uh, stressful time for almost everybody, but certainly for cattle sure. producers. And so that's led to a lot of discussion and, and a lot of concern. And we've seen markets through you know put through contortions that we normally don't see. And I think in some cases, the market's response to some of the shocks related to the pandemic and so on really took people by surprise. And they, and they, you know, I heard a lot of talk that the markets are broke. And, and actually, as I analyzed them, as a marketing economist, I look at them and say, no, the markets actually worked exactly like we want them to and and expect them to. But it was very dramatic in many cases and and kind of a shock in terms of the way the markets uh, tried to fix some of those uh, overwhelming challenges.
0: Yeah, just not necessarily the way we would want it to go.
1: Well, yeah, certainly was a surprise in many cases. And so, uh, you know, so that's led to a lot of discussion and, and subsequently then to a lot of discussion about whether there are policy solutions that are needed. Uh, Again, you know, some people are starting from the perspective that cattle markets are broke and need fixing. Uh, Not everybody certainly is in that position. But so there's a lot of discussion about a lot of different issues. And that's really what I tried to present today was a, a bit of a summary of sort of those issues, a little bit of history of the industry that kind of sets up that discussion, because I think it's very important to understand how we got here if you're going to talk about where we want to go from here, and then uh, summarizing the research that we have available to us relative to some of these cattle pricing and especially fed cattle market issues that we've been talking about.
0: What is some of that research? If you just wanted to pull two or three examples out of what you presented on, on the research, what would you share?
1: Well, you know, uh, I guess first and foremost, when you look at the structure of the industry, we have a highly concentrated industry at the packing level and even at the feedlot level to some extent. And, And there's lots of research that shows why that is. The economics of the economies of size of those large plants is very clear. So we know kind of what the economic forces are that drive that. And some people want to change that, and that's a question for policy. And so we can, you know, you can have that discussion. Price discovery is probably the biggest buzzword that's that's been out there for the last several months. And first of all, I would say as an economist that the word price discovery or the phrase price discovery probably is is misused or is applied to a lot of things that really aren't price discovery. So we've spent a lot of time trying to clarify what price discovery is and what it isn't. And then, uh, and then talk about whether we have a price discovery problem. The research would say that we probably don't actually have a price discovery problem in general at this moment in the industry. But markets clearly have gotten thinner in that we have less cash trade. So, you know, we study how thin is too thin. And that's that's an ongoing question because, again, we don't think we've fundamentally crossed that threshold to too thin, but it is a danger and and we're certainly closer to it than we were, you know, some number of years ago.
0: So what are some of the ways that price discovery is getting confused with cattle pricing?
1: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of it, again, economics uses terms (laughs) that sound kind of not technical, but they actually have a very specific economic theory meaning. So Uh, In in economics, we would distinguish, uh, very importantly, between price determination, which is the supply and demand forces that determine overall price levels, versus price discovery, which is just how do we know what those values are? How is that reported in our available market data? And so price discovery has nothing to do with whether cattle prices are high or low. That's price determination. That's supply and demand. So there's a lot of that kind of thing where we're, again, trying to clarify what it is and what it isn't. Again, there's legislative proposals out there of various kinds that would, uh, you know, really take the cattle industry in a fundamentally new direction in terms of having the government directly involved in how this industry does business. You know, it's not for me to say as an economist that we should or shouldn't do that. That's up to the industry to make those decisions but i would point to the research that we have and suggest that we want to proceed with caution before we fundamentally go into a a market that's that's uh, mandated or driven by uh, intervention rather than than market forces that's a that's a big change for the industry if we decide to go down that road
0: i think on your final thought slide you says that in bold the danger of abandoning the market system is colossal
1: I, in my mind, it is. I mean, I'm a big believer in markets, and and you know, and certainly there are issues in markets uh, in the cattle industry that that w- that are concerning, and and the market continues to evolve, and so there are things we need to be concerned about. But the idea that we would step away fundamentally from a market based industry, I think, is a really big step. Again, if the industry decides to do that, okay. My job is to try to do research and, and suggest to them what the consequences of that might be. And my my advice at this point is to proceed with caution.
0: Probably good advice for <laughs> anything during a pandemic.
1: <laughs> exactly. and And that's the other part of this is I think a lot of this is driven by what we've been through, which is unprecedented. And, of course, markets, cattle markets go up and down. We've got cattle cycle forces at play. If nothing else, I think it would be good to give us another 12 or 24 months to see how these markets evolve before we did anything really as a uh, sort of a knee-jerk reaction to the pandemic and all the things we've been through. Of course, we have ongoing pandemic impacts, but I don't think we're going to have anything like we faced in 2020.
0: We did have a good Q&A, as I mentioned a little bit ago, with Rob Johnson and Seth Scribner, our Price Discovery Chair. What were some of the questions in the conversation that you thought would be most beneficial to share with people who weren't able to make it up to Reno?
1: Well, we, we covered a lot of ground in, in that discussion. I thought it was a very, very good good discussion, good questions from the audience. I think we spent fair, uh, quite a bit of time sort of talking about what solutions we do have or potentially could have. And, of course, we don't have a lot of really obvious solutions. These are these are fairly challenging problems. They're not easy. We would have done them a long time ago if they were easy. Uh, but we did talk about a number of things, uh, that potential ways to adjust sort of the rules of the game, if you will, ways to change the incentives. Uh, within the industry to make price discovery uh, less of a public good and more of a uh, something that people want to do rather than uh, uh, do a minimal amount or actually try to move away from and, and, and some of those kind of things.
0: What would you say are one or two of the ways, options on the table at this point?
1: Again, recognizing that price discovery is has a public good nature to it. In other words, uh, the industry benefits from it. The people who use prices, to, as a base for their alternative marketing arrangements or formula type cattle, uh, value those things, but they also have an incentive not to participate in it. We talked about, could we use a uh, You know, something like the electronic exchange, the Fed Cattle Exchange, or could we use a market maker program to actually incentivize people who do provide that service to the industry, if you will, to actually be compensated for some of the extra cost associated with it? You know, there's a number of things out there to think about. Um, If we get a little creative, I think there's some things we can work our way through and see what might be viable and, and offer some alternatives to the industry.
0: Yeah, I know there's a lot of people spending a lot of time on this issue.
1: There I mean, is. Diving into All it. All over the country. <laughs>
0: exactly. I know even in California, just some of our producers are really just diving deep into it. And Tony Toso, our president, describes it as a whack-a-mole situation. <laughs> you think you have it figured out. And then you, something else pops up, and you're back at square one.
1: You know, and, and that's actually one of the main messages in my presentation was, first of all, just to recognize how complex this industry is. I think it's probably the most complex set of markets on the planet. <laughs> I really do. There's so many dimensions, and that makes it really difficult. There's no simple solutions sure. to these problems. Uh, everything is connected to everything else and so it it's it, it really is i mean in some sense he's absolutely right because you can sort of figure out one thing but then that's connected to a lot of other things and you know the thing about the cattle industry is uh, i always say you can get stuff figured out, but it don't stay figured out very long. And, and you got to figure it out all over again. And I think that's the situation we're in kind of as an industry as we try to address some of these uh, challenges that we that we have uh, in the industry right now.
0: So as we do look ahead and we move into 2022, what is to be expected of this year as far as this goes?
1: Well, you know, from a policy standpoint or a legislative standpoint, there's some proposals out there. So we have to kind of wait and see sort of where that goes. That's the policy political process. And that's one track that will be happening, and and we'll see where that goes. You know, I think on the market side, underneath it all, we're really moving past some of the challenges. I think 2022 looks pretty optimistic from the standpoint of our expectations with uh, tighter supplies helping support markets. We've got good demand, good export demand. So we're looking for higher cattle prices, and frankly, I think that will solve a lot of the concerns that we have in the industry just by virtue of the fact that that we're going to see, and we're seeing it right here at the end of 2021, uh, we've finally seen these markets really come around. And I think that's going to be where our focus is going to go back to the fact that uh, now, obviously, we've got drought challenges and all kinds of issues, particularly in, in these regions. And so... Those are going to be, uh, you know, where producers will and need to really uh, put most of their focus, I think, in the coming months. Yeah, regionally, you know, it looks, the drought issues persist. And, you know, it's wintertime now. If we go into spring in dry conditions. A drought that's there when you start the year yeah. is is going to be extremely serious, extremely fast. In this region and and other regions that are being impacted, we could see some major impacts, not only for the industry and the producers in those regions, but for the whole industry in a broader market sense.
0: Coming out of the last drought, I know that was touched on a lot, was how long it takes to recover the cattle inventory after a drought
1: you know, uh, it's going to vary, obviously, from producer to producer because it's, it's really, it's, it's a function of not only what happened physically to their herd, the, the, the amount of liquidation, but really two other things. One is what happened financially to that business. Because the way you manage it going into it and through a drought can determine whether or not uh, you might still have some cows, but you might have some real financial challenges and, and the financial recovery might be the bigger question. And the other part of it is the resources. So, you know, what happened to your rangeland and, and your other forage resources during the process? What shape are they in to recover? And so it's it's really a triad of of the resources, the forage resources the, the actual animal herd and the financial condition of the business. And the bottom line is for one or all of those reasons, it's certainly going to take some time individually and for the industry as a whole to recover from something as severe as this. Again, it's, you put it into context, right? But we clearly are seeing enough liquidation in 2021 that it is impacting the trajectory of overall cattle inventories for 2022 and 2023 So And it could get more severe, again, depending on what happens in the coming year. So that will have implications for the entire industry.
0: Well, let's hope Brian Bledsoe has a really great meteorologist update (laughs) for us instead of something sad.
1: (laughs) I hope so. For those
0: who want to learn more, jumping back into Price Discovery, about Price Discovery, where is the best point for them to start at? What would you recommend?
1: You know, actually, it's a big publication, but Texas A&M published uh, the proceedings of a conference that was held back in June. And I was one of several authors that contributed to that. And so I, I, would, I would actually go look that up. It's available on the Texas A&M website. I can't give the exact uh, title at the moment, but uh, it, it wouldn't be too hard to find if you search for that. Uh, that's, a, that's a fairly comprehensive document. Now, honestly, for a lot of people, probably it's going to be pretty tough sledding in some, some areas. But it really does have a good synopsis of all of the research that's out there right now across the various authors. There were a number of uh, mostly agricultural economists that contributed to that document, and so that would be a good place to get it all kind of in one stop.
0: We'll definitely be sure to link that. Maybe people have some extra time around the holidays. (laughs) They'd like (laughs) to dive into that. Sure. Other than that, I know you have your own podcast and your own newsletter. How can people get more information from you?
1: Uh, You know, I do write a weekly newsletter, have for many years, along with some of my animal science colleagues at Oklahoma State. It's called the cow Calf Corner Newsletter. Uh, the easiest way to get that would just be to send an email to me, daryl.peel at okstate.edu, and just tell me you'd be interested in getting our newsletter. We'll add you to the distribution list, uh, the listserv, and, uh, and you'd get that every week. Uh, rain or shine, holidays or not, uh, we, we put out the newsletter every Monday morning. My podcast is called uh, Farm to Market Podcast. I do that with a, with a partner of mine, uh, Charlie Amos. And that's a podcast that's not really as much professional, although we do cover some things that are similar to my job. This is something we do on the side, and it's actually more for fun. And, and we do have a lot of fun. We cover hi- history, food, agriculture, kind of anything we want. It's pretty free for all. It is something that I do uh, that's really officially outside of my job, and we have a lot of fun with it. So you you can check that out. You might learn something because some of it is 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 you know pretty straight up academic, but a lot of it is just for fun as well. And and and, and we're both kind of history buffs, so we, we we cover a lot of historical stuff.
0: You know, in a time where there's a lot of things that just aren't fun to listen to, it's always good to have something fun to listen
1: to. So that's part of the reason why we do it. And we, and certainly, yeah, that's a that's something that I hope uh, folks would benefit from.
0: Definitely, we'll be sure to share it when we post this as well. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to come out to Reno. We always enjoy having you at our convention and down at our feeding, feeder meeting. We wish you a happy holidays.
1: And- yeah, it, it was great to be back. I, uh, this is the second time I've been to this convention. I did do the Cattle Feeders Day earlier this year. It's my pleasure anytime, and uh, I, I look forward to the opportunity to uh, have some uh, additional interaction. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.